senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And uh, this is episode 47, and I'm doing this show sober. Oh, God. And I'm doing okay. <laughs> a little early to <laughs> so say far. that. So far. A little early to say that. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's uh, we're recording this earlier than usual uh, on the Sunday before Christmas, and uh, which means, yeah, we have to do it early because... You have to get ready for travel. Yes. Uh, I will be packing up all my shit and going to the deep deep southern united states where there are two kinds of people um the the locals who uh may hate the stereotype but are very close to it <laughs> and the retired and elderly from the northeast mm. and the particular town i'm going to this time of year about 90 percent the latter so it really is like visiting dawn of the dead <laughs> just everyone walking slowly and driving slowly and there's not a comic book store to be found and even all the bookstores are all oh here's some trash that you can read to bring to the beach so you don't have to operate your brain at all not that i would go to the beach nobody needs to see this <laughs> without a complete set of clothes on including a couple of shirts but so yeah it's a i will be in the south for a week I will be in the uh, exotic wilds of central Massachusetts. You lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> Beautiful, scenic central Massachusetts. And at least you can buy heroin there. High quality heroin, I hear. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm pretty sure you actually have to go further uh, west into the deeper interior of the western Massachusetts New York border. But you'll be close to it, whereas I'll, I'll be beating off Geritol dealers with a fucking stick. <laughs> this will shrink your prostate. You'll pee like a young man. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I'm not one of the elderly yet. <laughs> I walk slowly because I've done systematic damage to myself with substance abuse. Oh, and you're worried about me going into like the heroin wilds of, <laughs> yeah, of well, the state? <laughs> you're in slightly, vastly, vastly better condition than I am. So, <laughs> yeah, plus, you don't have that look of need in your eyes. Plus, you can drink with your mom. For me, this is going to be five days sober and catching up on NCIS. She's not really drinking lately, though, and she's touting like all of the health benefits. She's on Atkins, and somehow it's working. Oh, Jesus. Do you, you want to come with me to the <laughs> South? <laughs> so it's, it's going to be like a, a beef and cheese and no booze diet for the length of my stay. Well, it, <laughs> the, the length of your stay is also vastly shorter than mine. I should have the DTs fairly effectively by Christmas afternoon. True. But... I'll be flying back on Friday, just in time to do a show before the end of the year. So, <laughs> Whereas I will be taking the commuter rail. <laughs> oh, I would rather do that. Jesus Christ, I am not looking forward to the airline system. At this point, I've done it enough that I can get everything set up and get in the line like a pro. You know, not like you know, grandma whose <laughs> liquid medicines are in 14 different bags and refuses to let go of her death grip on the Dunkin' Donuts fucking iced coffee. You know, I can get it, but it's, you know, I'm a big guy. I got a ponytail, and I look pissed off because I'm in the airline system, so I am pissed off. I'm always getting wanded and 
Yeah. Backscattered. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> let me get your fingers in your ponytail just in case you got a shiv there. Buddy, if I had a shiv, you would not live to hear me. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Just get yourself on a list before you get to the yeah. airport. Uh, you know, and I always look them right in the eye when I'm at the airport and say, you know, no, I want the full body pat down, but the kid at Burger King never goes for it. <laughs> so... Try it at Legal Seafoods next time. See how that goes. <laughs> it's worth a shot. <laughs> Might be the more high end. They're uh... <laughs> more upscale clientele. They have to be for you know, fifteen dollar Bloody Marys and <laughs> concierge level pat down. <laughs> <laughs> Lower and slower. Yes. Whatever you say, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so yeah, I mean we're we're taping this early to to get it up on the wire because yeah, I still have to pack. I got to do laundry so I don't show up in clothes. You know, Hi, Mom and Dad. Yes, I stink of booze. This happens on a daily basis. This and, may or may not be puke. You don't know. Yeah. And, you know, we've got to go out and get food for the cat. Mm. So. All of these. Er- yeah, we haven't even done errands yet today. Yeah. Odd it, Sunday. I, I know. It's We never do errands on a Sunday. <laughs> We're usually crippled by drink by this point in the day, for Christ's sake. I'm trying to persuade our listeners that we're normal people that do normal things. Normal people don't <laughs> listen to this show. <laughs> we recognize you have a choice in comic book podcasts <laughs> and that you've looked for a freak just like yourself who's producing one. Hey, you're welcome. I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> well, uh, you're you're lucky. I have to run out. But... <laughs> so... Yeah, and it's also a weird week in that there's not a shitload of comics news because the yeah. you know the entire comics universe is on vacation the same way everybody else is. Yeah, you know my day job office was about two thirds empty on Friday, and it's going to be even worse this week. So it's one of those weird shows. There's not a hell of a lot to talk about. Yeah, you know, at least the normal stuff that we do. True. There, there was one big thing that DC sort of tried to. Slip in. Yeah, sneak in. <laughs> they didn't make a big deal out of it, but they released their March 2015 solicitations, mm-hmm. and they're canceling a lot of fucking books just before Convergence comes well, up. Canceling, and then some are coming to like their, their natural anticipated end. Like Batman Eternal was on there, and that wasn't supposed to run any longer than 52 issues. Yeah, despite the title and maybe people's hopes with, with some of the sales numbers, <laughs> we can get them to spend this much every week, and we do this forever. Well, <laughs> Somewhere Scott Snyder just blew a gasket in his brain thinking about that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, since Convergence, yeah, it's starting right at the beginning of April. Yep. So April 8th. You know, so, yeah, these all are going to be wrapped before this event. Right. And, yeah, we, we got the list of them. Uh, Aquaman and the Others, number 11, is going to be the last one. And it, have you been reading this at all? Uh, sporadically. Yeah, it's it's been in my polls because... Of Aquaman. Aquaman was in my polls after yeah. uh, the new 52. I liked some of the idea to it. I mean, some of those characters are really interesting, like BC list characters. Well, it, yeah, it's only been notable to me because we've seen the KG Beast now and again. <laughs> yeah. Which is like one of the big deal four issue uh, series in, in like the, the late right. 80s. And it was the first one where it you know really looked like Batman basically killed him. Right. They just locked him in a hole to starve to death <laughs> over months. But. As Batman is wont to do. Of course. he's <laughs> Batman is not a, a killer. He just likes to watch people die slowly. <laughs> he's like Jigsaw with a cape. There's a key in your stomach if you're willing to find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just give me 19 shots of tequila. You'll see. You'll see the key, lunch. <laughs> You'll see a lot of shame, sadness. A lot of stuff will be available. But, 
So I mean, it's yeah, been kind of cool to see that, but otherwise, it, yeah, really the only reason I keep getting it is because the owner of the store, the owner of my local comic store, will will pick up everything related to a title. Yeah, I'm lucky I don't get a case of Aquafina in my fucking Jesus. drawer. <laughs> Every Aquavelva. <laughs> I would get that. You could drink that. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like prison sangria. <laughs> you can make it in the toilet. Oh God! <laughs> so, yeah, this is not one I'm particularly going to miss. It never really grabbed me. It, yeah, kind of cool to see the B listers and cool to see KG Beast, but yeah, you know, otherwise, yeah. And then uh, next on the list, uh, Arkham Manor Six. Now, there was no way this is going to be a real ongoing, like forever, ever title, right? Yeah. You know? eventually it was going to be retcon. Batman is going to move back in to Wayne Manor. He lives in Wayne Manor. <laughs> yeah, in, in stately Wayne condo. Really, it doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, it, it does seem like it's wrapping quickly, and I'm not sure I did a quick uh, Google search uh, while I was doing my prep for the show, and I didn't really see any indications that this was supposed to be an, a long-term ongoing title, but well, I also... Who, who's writing that? Uh, honestly, I don't remember okay. off the top of my head. Um you know, because it was one of those. You know, I, I read the first issue. I think we talked about the first issue. We did because it was an interesting concept. But uh, yeah, it, it it wasn't something that was going to go on forever. Right. Uh, same thing. Yeah, Batman Eternal Fifty Two. Uh, number one, that's a good kill point for that because Fifty Two, New Fifty Two. Um, I, I've really generally enjoyed that series. Uh, right. But the continuity problems it's caused have been really kind of a pain in the ass. You know, like. We found out that Batman is broke, that Bruce Wayne lost everything in other titles, like in Arkham Manor. Right. You know, two or three weeks before it happened in the actual weekly title. So it's it, it caused problems in reading other books. Spoiler. Yeah, it was like spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Like, you'll find out how this happens in Batman Eternal number, whatever it was, like 32 or something. Yeah, but in the meantime, we just sort of have to take on faith that <laughs> by the way bruce has no money he did something stupid <laughs> yeah and it's that has been an issue recently with all the batman titles and when, yeah. we, when we talk about our books this week we'll we'll get to it i mean simultaneously this week batman's in washington and gotham and apocalypse, apocalypse. <laughs> so in a certain way i'm okay with that it's like great these are all potentially self-contained stories except they're not right because yeah, Arkham Manor required that plot point in Batman Eternal to make any sense at all. Right. So it's just it's caused a certain amount of confusion for me in in reading some of the stuff. So I'll kind of be glad to to move on from this. The, J- the other, Jerry Dugan is writing Arkham Manor. Okay. And uh, Sean Crystal art. Yeah, and that's Jerry Dugan's been doing a lot of good stuff recently. Arkham Manor was not bad. Yeah. But if this frees him up to do something else, I'm cool. More Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, Jesus. I wish I looked it up. I want to say Dugan is now exclusive with Marvel. I think I he just signed something. I think so. So that might have something to do with the premature end of... Because, yeah, a few of these, it looks like... Charles Sewell is writing some of the ones on there. Yeah. Soul um, or however... Whatever your name is, sir, I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Yeah. I, I have a new soundboard with a whole bunch of new sounds, even you though I sure use that one. That one last week. But uh, don't look at me like that. I wasn't. I was actually... I was averting eye contact. All right. right, (laughs) Your foot was very interesting for about five seconds. I'll stop for right now. I'll stop. (laughs) Um, 
so yeah, the loss of some people to be exclusive to Marvel definitely maybe impacting there. Yeah. Um, another reason I'm kind of okay with Batman Eternal being over is Hush sucks. <laughs> Hush has always sucked. <clears throat> Hush was introduced being the guy who brought Jason Todd back from the dead. So he's ever, I don't care what they do with that character. For me, he's that guy. That guy who fucked up my $2.900 call to kill Jason Todd back in the 80s. Doesn't matter what he does from here on out. It's like when your mom shows your girlfriend pictures of you naked in the sink, so you put her in the cheapest fucking home you can find. Don't don't get me started on why why my mom might go to the home. Look, I was 27, and what I what I have people take pictures of me doing is nobody's goddamn business but mine. There's a black and white photo out there. Of, of me in a roasting pan where apparently they were giving me a bath because we were poor. And, <laughs> and my dad thought it was a good idea to put a turkey baster next to the roasting pan. That, that, that is a photo that exists in the world. Yeah, but see, that's at least funny. That at least shows a little <laughs> bit of, of thought. There's set up punchline visual humor there. You know, the, all I mean, I'm just naked in the sink. Hi there. <laughs> Here, look at my naked son. Look at him. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> when I take her home, I'm going to try to use that thing, that picture. <laughs> you fuck off. Four days, five days of no booze and NCIS and just <laughs> memories of humiliation. I love the holidays. You'll be fine. My liver's going to be the strongest muscle in my body by New Year's because I'm going to start drinking <laughs> the minute I get off the plane next Friday. Aqua Velva. Yeah, I'll, I'll get some Aqua Velva and start putting it away in the cab. Be cutting the bottom out of roll-on deodorant. I'll be going full Kitty Dukakis. Rob, you smell funnier than usual. <laughs> and your left eye is full of blood. <laughs> uh, back to comics. Um, Batwoman 40. Um, yep. That's going to end that particular title. For some people, that will probably be a relief. For others, it, it will be a cause for mourning. Yeah, look. Oh, well. I, I, <laughs> I recognize this book meant a lot to some people, but yeah. I'm not part of that demographic. Um, for me, it was the whole thing was born from an out of continuity, delayed showcase of J.H. Williams' art. Yeah. Uh, and that has been over for a while. Right. Now, I've liked what Mark Andreco has been doing with it, He's turning it into a full on, just basically monster story. Yeah. Kind of an interesting way to go, except that that led to the Nocturna storyline that is generally driving that original core audience away of, you know, for whom it, this book meant something more. Yeah, driving them away. And this is also the second sort of vampire oriented book that he's writing right now because he's writing Chastity for Dynamite, um, which is a vampire story. Okay. It, yeah, your fascination with. The Mid dynamite 90s. character, <laughs> yeah. yeah, chastity and evil Eddie. I will never understand that. You know, eh. <laughs> I say it all the time on this show. Not every book has to be for me, but God damn it, some don't have to be for you either. Yeah, they they appealed to my inner twelve year old, and we're going to talk about my inner twelve year old and what she wants later in the show. So, <laughs> my inner twelve year old had a perpetual boner, and <laughs> chastity doesn't do anything for me. And that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. That that's fine. <laughs> this is comics. It should be something for everybody. Read what you like. Yep. But plus, Batwoman has always been weird for me in that it it's an outlier. Yeah. In that Kate Kane is not really part of the Batman family. Right. 
she has just decided to take on this mantle because it means something in Gotham City. She trained on her own. She's got her own support system, which in its own way is kind of cool and means that it's much easier probably to take as a standalone title than any of the others. But as a big Batman fan, it's always sort of been, it makes it less crucial. She did, but then there were elements even under William's run where she became aligned with that government agency and had to do it because otherwise Maggie was going to find out what she was doing. I, I, There were problematic elements to it, even in its earlier inception. I feel like if you're truly a member of the Bat family, you find a way not to get yourself under the government's thumb. Yeah. If Batman can find a way to to have a truce with Waller and be left the fuck alone, <laughs> you can find a way to, to get the DEO off your back. Well, and... <laughs> But, I mean, that's the thing. She's never really been part of the Batman family. Right. They have connected on and off, and there have been a few one-off stories. But, I mean, Batwoman's crossover with Wonder Woman earlier in this title yeah. was considered a bigger deal than any Batman or Batgirl or Nightwing right. appearances that have ever happened. Yeah. Yeah, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the idea of somebody who's inspired by Batman, working completely alone, who has a self-built skill set... And support system, you know, it's it's always been kind of interesting. But the problem with that is, as these big overarching Batman stories have happened, like Night of the Owls and Death yeah. of the Family, she's kind of been off doing her own thing. Yeah, so it's been kind of easy for me to say, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that, and I've I've missed some issues because of it. But well, on the other hand, if you've missed some issues, it probably means it wasn't like at the top of your list of things to read. Which again. There is a, a very vocal group that supports this book or supported it in its earlier incarnation, and the the book has changed its focus. Yeah. The numbers haven't picked up because of that. That's probably why they're ending it. Yeah. And it's weird because when the character appeared in Detective Comics and was written by Greg Rucka with J.H. Williams art, it yeah. was a top-of-the-pile book for me. If and, they put that team back together today i'd start putting it back at the top of my pile well and that that sort of speaks to a thing um earlier it was either today or last evening i kind of lost it on my timeline gail simone put out a comment soliciting people's input you know if you don't have an interesting character i'm probably paraphrasing this wrong um but it's written by somebody who's really talented you know does that help and I, I think that's a yes. You know, Greg Rucka made Punisher interesting, made Batwoman interesting, um, made Cyclops somewhat interesting, as much as you can with a very vanilla character. Um, but there, there, there are some characters out there that are just inherently vanilla, and yeah. you need somebody to to take something that's a meh concept and elevate it. Sandman was a B-list Golden Age hero. Yeah, that a good writer turned into a goddamn classic. Yes, a good writer can help an eh kind of character right. and do something with it. But the problem is that will never happen again because Williams got fucked on the Kate getting married storyline. And so I doubt he'd come back to the character even if he was offered. Well, I'm saying like, Ruck is the one that made the character interesting. His art helped because he has a very yeah, distinct, distinctive let, art style. Let, let's be fair. The, his art is magnificent. Yeah. His art, I think, was a huge part of why I liked that storyline. Um, his art was a huge part of why I put it on my polls after the New 52, because, you know, let's face it, it, as a writer, Williams is a hell of an artist. He's not bad, 
but he's not an A-list writer. He's an A-list artist. Right. So that that's what I'm trying to refocus this around. Like the the writer can make the character interesting. Correct. Just because you're I'm a with you. great artist, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're helping the character. Your your art might be or the <laughs> Don McFarlane on Spider Man. <clears throat> exactly. Um so with Andreco taking over, yes, he has an affinity for certain characters like this. Um, but it's not it's not not enough and it seems to be too late for the numbers for the book. Yeah, so it's one, in its own way, it's a bummer. Because, yeah, like I said, Andrico's stuff was making it kind of interesting, but it has just not been a top-of-the-pile book for me for a while. Yeah. Uh, as is the only Green Lantern book that I got the first <laughs> issue and just sort of said, eh, no, this doesn't have to be on my polls. Uh, Green Lantern, uh, New Guardians 40. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I can't really address it. I got the first issue, and I had to go back on the internet and look it up to see what it was about. <laughs> and it was basically... It, it looked like one lantern from every core working together. Yeah. Um, they should have called it the Rainbow Core, but that would have sent a very different message. It would have. It would have. <laughs> so, um, what else we got? Infinity Man and the Forever People number nine. It's we. I love Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen on OMAC. Yeah. Um, I could not honestly get through a single issue of Infinity Man. I don't think I read any of them. I picked one up and got halfway through, and it's just like, this just didn't do anything for me. And part of it is Kirby's New Gods have always been one of those sort of sub-universes of comics mm. that just has never, ever since I was a kid, and I think that's part of the reason it was never interesting to me. Because when, you, when you're a kid, you've got this group of heroes sort of operating off Earth, they're completely interconnected there once in a while they'll show up and deal with characters but for the most part yeah. in their own book they're doing their own thing there's no batman there's no superman so and so it's this whole other thing you have to learn and because of that it just it wasn't compelling enough to suck me in it was the same thing for the eternals and the inhumans right then again the only difference between the new god and the eternals is the name on kirby's paycheck it's it, <laughs> so yeah and DC over the years has constantly been, okay, what are we going to do with the new gods? Morrison tried to do something different with uh, Seven Soldiers and yeah. Final Crisis, and it didn't really take. And yeah, it's the, the only time the characters from that have ever really done anything for me is when they're firmly in the DC universe. Right. So Mr. Miracle and Big Barda and Justice League International, yeah. that really, I like those characters in that context. Or opportunities where there's like crossover bleed and they have to deal with apocalypse and then, then Superman gets involved and yeah, Orion showed up for a while and Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh yeah, and Orion was in uh, JLA uh, back when Morrison was doing it. Yeah. So I, I don't have anything wrong in particular with the characters when you integrate them into the DC universe proper. It's when it's okay. It's just a story about these characters. My brain just flips off. And yeah. For for good, I, I don't know why that happens. Well, again. It's not a fully realized concept beyond here's a new world. So unless you are a particularly talented writer and are taking it in a direction that's going to be compelling and connects with readers, it's only going to remain sort of a, it's an alternate world concept. Yeah, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Kirby did have a fully realized concept of new Genesis versus apocalypse and yeah. dark versus light. And I think it, holds up oh is it, yeah it, at its core there's there's some you know strong themes but in, unless you have a reason for the characters to connect with the reader 
because you know they're they're gods. They, I can't relate to that. I can't do what Barda does. I can't. Yeah, but you you could do the same thing with any superhero comic. I I can't relate to Superman. Clark Kent. You could maybe make the argument. Well, I that's can... why Clark has a human identity, and you're supposed to relate to him on the level of he wants to be human. Nobody on Apocalypse or New Genesis cares about being humanized. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. There really aren't very many secret identities there. Yeah. It's trouble when you're dealing with the power of God. <laughs> don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it, no matter what happens. <laughs> I'm a danger to myself and others. Just gonna wait. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, okay, we'll move on. <laughs> um. Okay, injustice, God's among us. <laughs> Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. I swear to God, I spent Friday night in front of my computer with a 12-pack of fucking yingling light <laughs> until 1.30 in the morning, just pouring beer down my head with audacity, ripping fucking movie sound clips for this show. You are a child with matches. I am, yeah, I I shouldn't be allowed to do a radio show. <laughs> you were a broken wreck of a human being all day yesterday because of it. Yeah, I know, but it was awesome, and now I got all this cool shit. So. <laughs> anyway, Injustice, God's Among Us. Uh, year three, uh, issue 12. This is not a book I've really followed up on. I I've read some of the issues, and it's not a bad, dark, alternative future you know, sort of comic for the DC universe. I like Tom Taylor as a writer. Oh, yeah. And this is really the book that has sort of broken him out of the ghetto of video game adaptations, because mm -hmm. he did a few issues of the uh, DC Universe Online book. Yep. Um, so I'm glad it got him to other things, but let's face reality. This is a comic book based on a two-year-old video game, right. and realistically, the story of that game comes down to kick douche Superman in the taint <laughs> as often as humanly possible. I still need to finish that game. It's a, <laughs> it's a fun game. It is a fun game. But the story's as deep as a urine sample. It's There's just not a lot there. Well, and, it's a fun button masher. That's about all I'm capable of on, on these new console games. So Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's not been bad, the issues that I've read. But, you know, it, it has served whatever purpose right. it had for... Well, eventually that, that sort of alternate timeline storyline should get wrapped up. Yeah, eventually that should have an end. Yeah. And I've not kept up on it enough to know whether this is an end or if it's just, uh, Taylor's moved on to other things, and yeah, why don't we just quit while we're ahead because nobody's buying the game anymore. Everybody, there you go. <laughs> everybody who wants it has it. This one is weird. Clarion number six. Now, I've not read this because mm -hmm. um, I'm not a fan of Clarion the Witch Boy. Yeah. You know, even in Seven Soldiers, it was okay, but you know, if I want to hear the deep stories of goth teens, I'll go hang out at the fucking Hot Topic. I don't need to spend four bucks, five bucks a month. <laughs> that creepy guy is back again. <laughs> yeah. But this book's third issue just came out, and at least all last week, that DC insider back matter in every DC comic was yeah. hyping this book and the characters that the creators have built for it. Right. So it seems like a very weird and quick, okay, yeah. Death. We're, yeah, we're done with this. Well, is he showing up in one of the Convergence stories? I think he is. I'd have to go back and look to see. So I, I have to wonder if maybe it was, let's get the character out there and reintroduce him, do something with him in Convergence, and then he's going to find his way into something that comes out of Convergence. Well, it's possible. Because and, and we'll... six issues is a, a good arc to tell a story and be done. 
Yeah, and it's possible I've not looked at the sales numbers on this book. For all I know, it's selling 86 copies yeah. a month. You know, 85 of them to the author's mother. Yeah, when, <laughs> when people think DC, the only people who their first thought is Clarion are people who really have a neurological problem of some <laughs> sort. But so, yeah, this is one. It, it seems like you may have a point where they have other plans for him post-convergence, and we'll we'll do our normal post-convergence speculation when yeah. we get done talking about the specific <laughs> books. But so uh, this one is actually kind of a bummer. Red Lantern's number 40. Mm. They're wrapping it up. And yeah, Charles Sewell saved this book. Because I this is one, the first issue seemed particularly strong because there was a really awesome five, six, seven-page sequence of Atrocitus and Dexter just... Yeah wiping people out and it was it's like yeah this is the book i want just random violent and then it very quickly turned into a six issue slog of atrocitus trying to kill crona because he didn't get to kill him the first time <laughs> and rancor being born after we spent a few issues with a completely different guy who looked like he had the stuff to become an angry red lantern and it just milligan's run it really was at the point where it's like I i'm gonna drop this and yeah sewell was smart in bringing it down to a much smaller scale core. Yeah. You know, put Guy Gardner in a familiar face. Um, made that core group a lot more relatable set of characters. I've been enjoying it since. But yeah, this is another one. Sewell announced uh, in September. He's got a Marvel exclusive. And at the time, it was well. I'm only doing a few DC books until March. So. It's probably a good thing they're just sort of letting this slide out because if you, if you think more than a minute about the Red Lanterns, <laughs> the, they the... should wipe themselves out from the inside. Like, there's a reason why there's only one Orange Lantern. <laughs> yeah, it's and the whole material for it is really pretty thin to start with. It's like yeah. they're Green Lanterns, only they're red and they're pissed and they vomit blood now and again. <laughs> they have great anger. Yeah, but otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, they could be the douche lanterns. <laughs> the douche core. The, <laughs> the dick lanterns. <laughs> the jerk lanterns. <laughs> that guy was a jackass! <laughs> I can't stop myself. Aww. It's almost Christmas. Give me a break. Yes, gotta get sure. All, gotta get all this crap out of my system before... Oh, yeah, Mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah another episode of... Uh, the, not The Pretender. What's a... <laughs> NCIS. Definitely NCIS, but no, what's the what's the one with the, the dude from Land of the Dead? Dude from Land of the Dead? Uh, yeah. Uh, Red John was his enemy. I've only ever watched it at my parents' house. Uh, it's not the profile. Mentalist? The Mentalist, yeah. Oh, I'll be watching some Mentalist over the next few days. That sounds exciting. I'm going to be spending a lot of time, I think, watching uh, Flip This House, possibly <laughs> House Hunters International. All right, so we're we're both bones. It's so. probably a marathon of uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives. So uh, yeah, just I'm going to be sober. Just oh God, so, oh God. <laughs> don't worry, you. I know you can drink. Let's start it. Let's start it. So just give me this, all right? For Christ's right. sake, that looks like my 16th birthday all over again. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, just pretend you're going back in time. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad they're not coming out with infrared lanterns. <laughs> yeah, ultraviolet lanterns. Yeah. They're so pissed you look right through them. 
ultraviolet lanterns are entirely like some butterfly species. So yeah, they're the, the only ones that can see it. Yeah, they're, no, they're they're so peaceful they vibrate. <laughs> and the infrared lanterns are so pissed you look right through them, like that dude on the subway screaming about the CIA. <laughs> nope, nothing to see here. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So what else is going? Secret Origins Eleven. I have not been following this. Because there are no superhero origins that are secret. We fucking know all of them already. I know, and somehow we're learning more and more about ones that we don't even want to know. I so. know, <laughs> unless you're rebooting them, Yeah, which almost always sucks. <laughs> Zero Year started with Batman on a dirt bike. That is not an origin story. Batman on a dirt bike? That's like the first or second half of the punchline of a Yo Mama joke. <laughs> Someday I'm going to get a Batmobile. Yeah. <laughs> so And a Batboat. Every few years, DC <laughs> tries to do a secret origins. Yes. Yeah, they did it right after Crisis. They clearly had, have done this for a while. They'll try it again in three or four years. It's, as a marketing kind of thing, it's probably not a terrible idea because yeah, every few years, new readers who are seeing characters they haven't seen before in other books, oh, here's a way I can learn about them. Yeah. The, the problem is, while it may have made a ton of sense in... 86, 87, 88. It's 2014. I have Tay Google. <laughs> I can get to Google and figure out who Clarion the Witch Boy is. Oh, thank God. There's a wiki entry on Clarion. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very difficult to find superheroes that you haven't seen before. Right. So um, not sure that book really serves the purpose of its original intention anymore. I'm sure. It seemed like a good idea at the retreat on Beer 12. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure DC does retreats. <laughs> Whatever it is that they do. Well, just based on the books we're going to talk about, I think that DC, <clears throat> DC's idea of an editorial retreat is like a tactical surrender. <laughs> Whatever, we give up. Whatever you want to do. Yes, Dan, stop yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait. No, Jeff got an idea. Everybody back away slowly. <laughs> yeah, all right. It's a more Silver Age. That's fine. This is happening, people. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, next, Star Spangled War Stories featuring G.I. Zombie. This is a, I don't know how the fuck they were ever going to sell this book. Now, I like Jimmy Palmiotti as a writer. Yeah. I tried one or two, and it is not bad. Oh, he's a great writer. But, you know, a a zombie who has his brain, who's also a soldier fighting a zombie apocalypse. You know, people, Certain people may just be zombied out. I, yeah. I love a good zombie story. Like I said, I, I gave this a try. It wasn't enough to really hook me in, but... It's just such a weird-ass story. Hey, weird-ass stories are fun. The weird-ass stories don't generally hit issue 100. Yeah. I mean, occasionally they can get a certain zeitgeist and take off, but we may have reached market saturation with zombies. God help us all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a third of Chris Hardwick's career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like zombie stories, but yeah, at this point, there's enough of them. You can really pick and choose if you want to. Yeah. So... Another big one, uh, Swamp Thing 40. Um, this book has really been inconsistent for me yeah. right from the beginning. It, well, you know, I liked it in its initial conception. Um, and then the whole, like, you know, red and green and black storyline was interesting. But then it ran into some pacing issues. And now it's just kind of limping along. Yeah, it's. I think it started strong. It was a bold statement to bring Alec Holland back from the dead. Yeah. If only in that you're saying, okay, we're stepping away from what Alan Moore did. Yeah. That that at least takes balls 
Right. And so it was definitely worth checking out right from the beginning. Um, yeah, by the time we got to Rot World, it just was not sustaining my interest. Yeah. You know, a big crossover between three different books and... Well, and also, you know, the Avatar concept was interesting. You know, and that now, now Abby's got powers. Why does every sidekick or companion have to get powers? Like, <laughs> well, it, spoilers, Robin's back this week and supposedly we're going to learn he has superpowers after his... Oh, good. Adventures being a dead guy powering a rifle on Apocalypse. Christ's sake. It's, I did not miss Damian Wayne. I didn't like him when he was just a normal, irritating child with assassin-like capability. Uh, Now he's going to have superpowers and be super more irritating. Well, maybe being dead was the best thing for him. Doubt it. Parents out there, your kid's giving you trouble, make them dead for a while. Jesus. And if you can get them to Apocalypse and resurrect them, maybe they will be the uh, the model child. I doubt it. They'll come visit you in prison. Doubt it. <laughs> doubt it. Just um, let them stay dead. Just, just let them die. <laughs> Damian Wayne or, yeah. or, or our listener's child? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I... I have no comment on the latter. Um, Put the sword down, sir. <laughs> Your child is not coming back as a superhero. <laughs> as a wise man once said, you plant corn, you get corn. Life sucks. <laughs> Apples and trees, people. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is another one. Charles Sewell, I've generally liked what he's been doing on it. This latest arc I've really enjoyed. The, the calculus, you know, this machine-based... Yeah, artificial intelligence, parliament of trees kind of thing Yeah, is a cool idea, and, and I've liked the last few issues. And the visit from John Constantine, we were talking about this yeah. a few days ago, in I think it was the last issue, was the best Constantine characterization I've seen, at least since Hellblazer. Yes. Because it was one of those things, he just shows up, and he tells Swamp Thing, bad shit is coming, and Swamp Thing says, can you help me? And Constantine says, I figure I just did. I'm going to go crawl in a hole and yeah. close it up after <laughs> me until this shit's over. Which now, is very Constantine. That's that's Alan Moore-style John Constantine. And it's probably the object lesson for Swamp Thing is, unless you're Alan Moore, make it a one-off or an Elseworlds or something. Swamp yeah. Thing is, he's never been able to accept under Alan Moore and then Rick Veach... Yeah, who was just sort of saying, okay, I'm going to keep this truck rolling along after more left. I feel like Andy Diggle had a good run with him for a bit, though. I'm trying to remember which one that was. Was that the one with uh, his daughter was Swamp Thing? or Maybe. Uh-oh. I say he had a good run with it, and I barely remember what the storyline is, so maybe I should revisit that after rereading Cause, it. Because, yeah, there was a short burst by Diggle, and there was a short burst by Brian K. Vaughn, and yeah. one of them was uh, the daughter whose name escapes me right now, was actually the Swamp Thing, and I can't remember which. But again, the the point is, those are two more A-list creators. Don't don't rub the mic on your face. It makes a terrible sound, for Christ's sake. It was my boob. <laughs> All right, it made a good visual, but it's auto, it doesn't work It was work accidental. I was reaching for my phone. I was going to Google Diggle on Swamp Thing. Okay, but... <laughs> But yeah, the, the key is that's a couple of A-list writers. They couldn't sustain Swamp Thing either. True. So. True. And yeah, it, it's another one where even if the numbers were there, again, I've not done the research on it. Sewell's Marvel exclusive looks like it's killing the book. Yep. Probably. Yeah. Just a, a couple left, neither one of which I've been reading. Uh, Trinity is in number six. Yeah, Trinity was really intriguing that first month of the New 52 where she showed up in the background of some panel of every single 
you know, she showed up in Flashpoint and then was in a panel of every uh, first issue of the new 52. And then, yeah, it was the Trinity War, which is basically at this point slid off my brain, except for that non-ending that went straight into Forever Evil. Yeah. So not surprisingly, I'm okay with Trinity going away yeah, for a can, while. Yeah, that can go away. Um, and yeah, World's Finest number 32. World's Finest, again, for whatever reason, just did not it's, it's been a team me. book yeah and those kind of live and die based on how how well you buy into the team up and and the characterizations therein well a team book and an earth two book yeah well and yeah more importantly for this earth two because that's that's a very separate and distinct group of characters and unless you're into earth two you're probably not reading it well and that's the thing for for all Dan DeDio's and Jeff Johns's attempts to bring the multiverse back ever since uh, Infinite Crisis. The thing with the multiverse is almost all of DC's, if not all of their titles pre-crisis, mm. took place on Earth 1. Right. The Earth 2 characters and the Earth S characters, there were all ways to sort of have these characters that they had show up now and again without trying to figure out how to shoehorn them into regular continuity but they right. were they were a once in a while thing you know shazam in the 70s was its own book but they said it was earth s so they could bring captain marvel in to fight with uh superman and yeah justice league of america i'm trying to think of any actual earth two books there were a few of them uh roy thomas's all-star squadron which was not bad, and All-Star Comics, which introduced Power Girl. Right. But uh, they were kind of few and far between, and uh, there was stuff like that where it's an excuse to do the Justice Society back during World War II. Right, right. So trying to fully maintain, okay, no, there's two universes, and they uh, here's how the parallel continuity is. There wasn't a lot of effort to do it. So that's okay. Just bring your phone into the recording studio, for Christ's sake. I don't know what that was. And don't leave it. That know. wasn't me. My phone, the sound is off. I don't know what oh, that was. Oh, for Christ's sake. Uh, oh, my computer's trying to tell me that there's an update for... <laughs> yeah, blame me. Well, <laughs> all right. It's still a new computer. I got to configure the, the shit out of it somehow. But, <laughs> but hey, good enough warning to move on to the, the next part of the, the conversation. <laughs> now, the timing of all these cancellations is kind of interesting because it clears the deck on a lot of books. And, and some of them, yeah, have been around since the new 52 right. reboot. Now, by doing it this way, with Convergence being its self-contained thing, it gives DC, yeah, a two-month production gap on all their books. And Convergence, yeah, by bringing all of the universes back into play, at least for a couple of months. And it's possible that DC really is looking at this as... Yes, this is just so we can all streamline and clear the decks. And well, no, not even that. Just a, yeah, here's a way. Yeah, fine, everybody gets their their uh, favored. Yeah, nation. their pre-crisis books, yeah. their post-crisis books. Everybody gets that, and it gives us a couple of months to to move and start in the new office. But realistically, I have moved. I've moved while starting a new job and being broke, <laughs> and it did not take me two fucking months to do it. And, and <laughs> And I have an arguable clinical drinking problem. <laughs> so 
it's possible this is a perfect chance for DC to really like shake shit up if they wanted to chuck the new 52 in some way call it another alternate universe and just say uh, okay we're just not going to do something anymore or other you know or or at least portions thereof if there's stuff that's not working and I, I think it's pretty easy to say that there's been some stuff that hasn't been working get rid of it save what works and then kind of move from there bring back stuff that people liked <laughs> yeah exactly have some balls come on show a little backbone will ya <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I just like doing it, watching the light, watching the light in your eyes go out. He's like, he's fucking doing it again. For Christ's sake. I am going to buy a cowbell. That, <laughs> I'll get you a cowbell sound. I'll give you your own button that fires it off. No, that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good call. But yeah, if they wanted to do something like it, it's the perfect chance to do it. Yeah, the groundwork's set. A huge chunk at this point... I'm, of those the original new 52 were gone i'm trying to remember what's still actually from the beginning you got justice league yep batman batman and robin action comics uh action comics superman nightwing no nightwing's gone it's grayson yep um batgirl's still there deathstroke is somehow limping along they keep canceling it and bringing it back yeah but it's it's not the original deathstroke um original deathstroke's gone original suicide squad's gone um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else from Justice the Justice League is. Dark has been limping along. Yep, that's still there. <laughs> so it's they're just Constantine has been. Constantine is not part of the original New Fifty. Was it? No, Constantine didn't debut for about a year and a half. Oh, that's right, because they needed to finish killing Hellblazer first. Yeah, right. So it's the character has been there from the beginning, but yeah. it's part of Justice League Dark. Um. So it, yeah, a big part of that reboot has already gone by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to the the new fifty two, there sure as hell aren't fifty two DC comics right now. No, Catwoman I think has been constant from the beginning, for better or for worse. Yes, Catwoman Green, has. Green Arrow. Green Arrow. Although uh, it's not really because they they've gone through so many creative changes with it to now bring it more in line with the television show. It's not really as it was. True, but it it is still there. It's been yeah. a constant. Um. Green Lantern. Flash. Flash. Green Lantern Core. What are we up to? Like 15, 16 books? Yeah. Out of 52? Yeah. I'm sure we're missing some. Well, I mean, yeah, there were ones that started in, uh, that were... Somehow Red Hood and the Outlaws. <laughs> uh, because boobies. Oh, that, that eye roll was glorious that you just threw. But... So... Teen Titans. Teen Titans has been rebooted. Oh, it's true. Yep. It's true. So, yeah, it, if you're not going to have 52 DC titles, either launch 20, 30 new titles or just drop the damn conceit and say, okay, it's something else now. Yeah, call it DC Comics. Yeah. Well, <laughs> plus, I, I did the math on this. By the time Convergence ends, we're going to be about 45 months into the new 52. Yep. Now, for some context, if this was the post-crisis period, that would get us to 1990. Mm. Now, 1990, that's a year Rob Liefeld was drawing New Mutants. Todd McFarlane was writing, <laughs> writing <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> DC lost Grant Morrison for, from Animal Man, but 
they got they gained a couple of groundbreaking titles like The Adventures of Ford Fairlane and The Naz. Oh God. I Isn't didn't this know. Also, when we get like Blue Superman. No, like... that was that was later. That okay. was uh, mid late nineties. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Naz I had to look up. Yeah, enlighten me, please. It, it was written by Tom Veach. Mm. Tom Veach, who's best known in comics, uh, he wrote Star Wars: Dark Empire for Dark Horse, and uh, he's also known as the other guy named Veach. <laughs> um, and it's about a guy who gets superpowers from doing yoga. Uh huh. So apparently I have been doing the downward dog wrong. Did and, he did he find like his taint chakra or something? I didn't and... read the fucking thing. I had, to, <laughs> I had to Google like hell to find this book. Because when you get the Naz, the first thing you get is an old Todd Rundgren band. <laughs> the Naz is not at the top of anybody's radar. So, I mean, it, my point is, why not try doing something different before we reach the inevitable decadence of people just doing weird shit? What's it what's it gonna take? Taint chakra. <laughs> do do we need I don't think that could be a good I don't think we'll get past half the titles you write down will get us kicked off iTunes in ten minutes. They would salt our RSS feed. Uh, did, did Vibe survive? I gave up. Um <laughs> No, Vibe's been uh, gone for a while, and Vibe was not part of the no, original. No, I know it wasn't part of the original, but I was New 52, yeah. curious how long that limped along. Uh, <clears throat> I want to say it was six, seven, eight months. Yeah. Not sure. So, but yeah, I mean, the cons that would prevent them from taking this opportunity to do something. Number one, nobody's announced anything. This is the age of the internet. If something was really going to happen, somebody would have leaked something. Right. You know, particularly with the office moving, you're going to have somebody disgruntled who just, <laughs> I, I can't make the move and the, fuck it, I'm just going to send somebody something with what the plans are. Plus, it would be Dan DiDio admitting defeat. Yes. Yeah, and you you hear enough semi-annual, oh, Dan DiDio's getting fired rumors that he really can't afford to admit defeat on anything. Right. Um, If it's a sneak reboot, that's not necessarily going to attract a real A-list talent to do anything with it? No, probably not. I mean, you've got a lot of folks going off right now and signing exclusive with Marvel. You've got a, a lot of other folks that have just decided, screw it, I'm going to do creator-owned. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could give everything to Jeff Johns, but he's an executive now and they don't let him write that many books and he's got what he wants. All the goddamn Silver Age heroes are back anyway. Right. So it's one of those... It's a perfect opportunity to do something. I wish they would. Uh, they'll they'll keep pulling, you know, newbie writers from whatever programs that Scott Snyder is teaching in, or <laughs> which has worked out up to a certain point. Yeah, they seem to have gotten themselves a, a little bit of a writer's farm going. So yeah, and after a certain point, the good ones wind up signing exclusive with Marvel. <laughs> yeah, so it really is a farm system. Yeah, and DC is not. Putting themselves as the show. No. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love for him to do something with it, take the opportunity, but I just, I don't really think they're gonna. I'd love to be surprised. I would like to be surprised. Well. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying not to make another taint chakra joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. All right, so 
do we have anything else to talk about this? Or I, don't I, think so. I could use surprise as yeah, the the other thing we were going to talk about today, just because there has not been a huge amount of comics news, was uh, with Christmas coming, <sighs> I started to get nostalgic. Yes. Yeah, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're at 51 minutes. Really? Yep. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I started to get nostalgic. Yeah, I, I'm at this point I I have a job. Yeah. Any Go you. Yeah, any geek stuff I just go by myself. Right. I mean, I will come home from Christmas with my parents will give me a check and some shirts of the way they would like me to dress, which means there will be no superhero or band logos on them. My mother will send me home with liquor and chocolate, which is a good thing. Works for me. I'll come home early. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll get that Christmas day flight. And I'll probably have a couple of sweaters in there. <laughs> yeah. So but when you're a kid, Christmas is when you get the cool geek stuff. Right. So, yeah, we're just sort of being nostalgic about some of the earlier geek things that we got. Now, I certainly got plenty. And as we're having this conversation <laughs> last night over drinks, Amanda's face just keeps falling as she realized she was apparently raised by savages who just didn't <laughs> like her at all. They wish they turned the gas on when they put her in that roasting pan. Well, I wasn't oops, but um, it, well, all right. On the plus side, my my parents were generally very good about um, feeding my desire to and my interest in in fantasy and science fiction. I got a lot of books as a kid, so I you know I got like all of the Wizard of Oz books. I got all of the Narnia books. I I got a whole lot of Piers Anthony. I got a we had a lot of Asimov in the house. So from from that standpoint, my parents were great. Um, from the standpoint of being the kid who would see Land Speeders and Millennium Falcon uh, <laughs> play sets and all this stuff that you could cram in Vader's head, you know, all of that stuff. No, I never had the Vader's head. That <laughs> all my friends had the Vader's head. I didn't get the Vader's head because I don't know if you remember the first run of Star Wars figures. They had a deal that first like twelve. Um, they had a deal that if you sent in proofs of purchases for like eight of them, you could get a display stand <laughs> to show that. And it had like a Star Wars cardboard backdrop that basically just had Star Wars and like a couple X-Wings or whatever. And uh, yeah, just pegged stands that you could stand your figures up on <laughs> to display them. And my parents considered that as, well, no, you have a place to keep your Star Wars figures. I'm like, Mom. But it's Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. it's This is only round one. I have 728 Star Wars figures. <laughs> they will not all fit on this stand. So, yeah, I never got the Darth Vader carrying case. Um, So I had, like, a Luke and a Leia from Empire Strikes Back action figures. Um. So he's all like hothed out, and she was wearing Cloud City apparel. Yeah, uh, I had those. So you didn't have any from the original? No, no. You must have been the only kid in Generation X in 1978 who didn't have any of the original Star Wars figures. Yeah, no. Um, and it was not for lack of asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember being excited and alternately let down. I'm like, all right, so now I have these action figures, but these are not the ones because. All of the kids were still playing with the original ones. Those are the ones you wanted to have. You wanted Leia in the white dress. You wanted Luke in in the 
Obi Wan outfit, like you know, you <laughs> yeah. But it, see that it, it went both ways. If you had all of them, then as the Empire ones came out, you wanted those. I, I recognized on some level Han Solo in a parka so bulky, even I wouldn't wear it at nine years old. It was, <laughs> it was goofy, but it was a different Han Solo, so it, it was the build up. But yes, when you go back to play Star Wars, he was not the first one you dragged out. But I was also the kid on the playground in like you know generic nameless you know dungarees whereas you know the other kids that that had money or were cool were wearing levi's like, like, it was the early 80s you can say jordash or yeah whatever it was I, I won't think any less of you it was levi's by by like junior high yes in my world um so yeah i didn't have have any of that uh we weren't a a computer household or an Atari household because my mother felt that video games would rot our brains. Um, and see that, that was the thing when it came to that kind of electronic toy that when you talk to people from generation X now it's, you know, what were the big, Oh, I got an Atari, I got a VCR and we always got those early cause we were really early adopters. Now we were not a rich family, but we were firmly middle-class and, yeah, I mean, you said you were an oops. So was I. <laughs> On some level, particularly my dad, uh, I know, <laughs> he loved me and my brother, but there's a big part of him that was like, you know, I really wasn't planning on any of this. So he would find excuses to get this shit. So when I was uh, nine years old, I think, or maybe eight, my mom... Uh, we went skiing at Killington in Vermont, and on our first run of the day, my mom, she got off the lift, went through a slush puddle, fell very slowly and gently, but just right, to both break and dislocate Oof. her ankle. So she was in a full leg cast and in a wheelchair for like eight weeks. That's awful. And as soon as she went from that to, and, and my brother and I, you know, I was, yeah, say eight. So my brother was six. I'm not sure how helpful we were, but at least we, <laughs> we didn't get in the way as much as one would expect. <laughs> so yeah, literally the day after my mom went in and got uh, the full leg cast off and went and do a walking cast. My dad just walked home on like a Thursday with an Atari back when it was the VCS. It wasn't even a 2600. <laughs> wow. I literally knew no other kid who had an Atari and my dad just came home with it and it had to be $300 at that point. And all he came home with was combat. So we hooked it up and played fucking combat for, <laughs> for days until yeah, somebody's birthday or whatever came along. Same thing with the VCR. We knew one family with a VCR, and yeah, my brother and I really wanted one because we still had bedtimes, Yeah, so we couldn't see half the shows that we want. There's still scars in me from <laughs> not being able to see all of the Amer Greatest American Hero pilot. Yeah, um, I said on earlier shows about the old scars about the Star Wars holiday special where my mom sent me to bed saying, oh, it'll be on again next year, and it never <laughs> was. And I wound up getting a videotape of it when it was still a bootleg back in the mid-90s <laughs> when I was in my buddy's wedding and he gave it to me as a wedding gift. I, I should ask for the fucking bourbon that everybody else got. <laughs> but So yeah, it was. my parents said, fine, we can get a VCR, but they're $500. And this is 1983 money. Right. They said, you and your brother have savings accounts you have to kick in. So literally, I had to give my mom $100. My brother, <laughs> who was like 10, gave 50 and so, yeah, we had a VCR fully a year before the big VCR explosion where everybody got one for Christmas. So all that kind of electronic shit I already had. I never got anything like that for Christmas because on some level, my dad's like, I am somehow going to live like I don't have these two little bastards. 
We rented VCRs for a number of months and finally, I think, ended up getting one when I was a freshman in high school. Might have been eighth grade, but I think it was freshman year. That was the big year where everybody got them. Yeah. They suddenly dropped in price. So you get one for like a hundred and a half or two hundred. Oh uh, yeah, we bought like the dirt cheapest. It had like a tethered remote. <laughs> oh, so did we, but still, it was it, it, ours was a two head Fisher, which I don't even think is a brand anymore. Yeah, I don't uh, even remember the brand on it. And it was a top load, and <laughs> yeah, with a remote on a wire, and it still was five hundred dollars. It was yeah another year and a half before it really dropped in price. Yeah. So, I mean, on my end, you know, when you talk specifically geek-oriented toys, I I think, you know, I had some some moments I remember, like, you know, one year my parents got me um, a planetarium. Like, you, you hit the switch, and in a dark room you could see constellations. So, to my mind, that was the coolest thing ever for the five minutes that it worked. And then it died. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and my parents just either couldn't be bothered or I don't know what happened. They, they never replaced it. So it was I, I got my hopes up for like five minutes for finally having something fucking cool. And it died. <laughs> All right. Let, let's start with that's really a shit gift if you even stop and think about it for two minutes. It's like, here, here is a vastly inferior simulation of what is right outside that door. Okay, so then let me take this to the thing that I cherished the most in some ways as as a kid was, uh, again, my parents were good about books. So one year they got me a National Geographic series, like the universe book. And in it, it had like stuff on all of the planets with accompanying pictures and materials about the, the Greek mythology related to the names for each of these planets and facts about the planets and comets and asteroids and, and the sun and all of that stuff. And I, I read that thing fucking voraciously. I wanted to be an astronaut right up until I figured out I sucked at math. But I, <laughs> yeah, I, I read this thing front to back. I would spend hours with this thing it came with a star chart so that at any time of the year you could figure out like what constellations were supposed to be over your head in the sky so i would go outside with a flashlight and i think my dad had managed to find a red gel somewhere so i wouldn't just just be able to disrupt my eyesight and i i would i would stand outside for hours with binoculars and they wouldn't bother to buy me a telescope (laughs) here's the takeaway i'm getting from this they would give you things To try to give you the idea that it's your idea to get the fuck out of their house. <laughs> I've seen some pretty shitty situations in my life, but nothing has ever sucked more ass than this. They were trying to get you to leave on your own. <laughs> if you'd stayed another year, they would have bought you a bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, they could have done what all of my friends' parents did. Buy me a fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> so did you ever get any any cool Geek shit of any kind. I mean, don't funny get me, story. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the books are. I got books too. Yeah, but and I, I cherished the books. I got. I got hours and days and weeks of enjoyment out of the books. But see, but I, I would also get you know the toys. The first big one that I got was Maskatron. You bastard. Well, it's yeah, because. <laughs> You know, before 1977, the six million dollar man was huge, and every kid I knew watched it because it was basically a superhero show on TV. I mean, and all it needs for special effects is I don't have that as as a sound effect. I'm sorry. Well, I got. I'll have it next week. Make no mistake. I got um, what few like toys I remember, physical toys that weren't stuffed animals. 
I, I seem to recall getting before my sister was did, old. Did they get you a stuffed hobo? <laughs> Here, doesn't this look interesting? <laughs> Just going out and riding the rails by yourself. <laughs> look, it comes with its own like bag on stick action. Yeah. <laughs> I, I put a sandwich in it for you. <laughs> Did you go outside and try it? I was the kid who had homemade um, clomper stomper things, like you know the those. Uh, yeah, geez, what do they drill holes in coffee cans? Uh, tuna, tuna can. That's not even a fucking romper stomper. That gets you a, a, an inch off the ground. <laughs> tuna cans uh, with rope. I think they painted them red. Um, I thought those <laughs> were great when I was three. <laughs> okay, so so they gave you cans with sharp edges and rope. <laughs> I had a I had a xylophone. I would sleep with one eye closed when you go visit your mom this weekend. <laughs> I, I I had a xylophone. I recall. Um, I I had um, an etch a sketch. I had um, what are those with the um? You're drawing in the air, and it really doesn't carry across. <laughs> I had the a Fisher Price projector, so you could slap a cartridge in there, and it would if you can cranked it. Um, you could play like the the six million dollar man trailer, oh, forward see, I, and backwards. I never had that, so that was kind of cool. Except I only ever had like two cartridges for it, so it was like that and like something out of Cinderella. And, and let me guess, they were cartridges of great outdoor scenes. <laughs> All of the six million dollar man stuff was outside for the most part. <laughs> right, at least you had the six million dollar man. Um, I had that that red plastic thing that um had a a thing on the side and you put the circular slide in it and it would rotate the slide i forget what those are called i have no idea what you're talking about you would know it if you saw i would know it if i saw it i'm just forgetting the name of it but um, oh viewmaster yeah viewmaster okay i had a viewmaster with with selected and i i had a i had a microscope um okay but no telescope microscope and a microscope um with some slides that i could look at some stuff on um, I had sea monkeys. So vermin. Your parents gave you vermin and yeah. tools to look at vermin yeah. <laughs> at a molecular level. Um, and again, my mom was not a fan of of computers or video games because she was quite certain they were going to rot our brain. So you know, we we would go over to visit my dad's uh, friend Jimmy, and he had he was he had one of those like miniature Pac-Man machines that looked like an arcade game but was tiny. Oh yeah, you got me the uh, Donkey Kong. One. Exactly because I thought we should have one because I never could fucking have one. <laughs> um, so I thought that thing was the greatest thing ever. And my mom wouldn't let us have like ColecoVision or handheld like Activision shit or anything like that. Um, we would go to the one like knockoff department store in town. And they had an Atari set up, and I would spend hours playing the demo of Pitfall or Keystone Cops. Like, nobody plays Keystone Cops voluntarily. Oh, God, no. Nobody wanted that. But unless, <laughs> unless it was the only thing that was available. So I, she would go shopping, and I would just happily stand there and hit start over and over again, um, playing, like, the, <laughs> the 10 seconds that'll let you play. And <laughs> so after so, we... So, so fast forward, um, some of the comic books that made it into the house had the ad in it for if you sell these greeting cards you can earn prizes oh like the the grit yeah but this was like greeting cards um because i don't know greeting cards seemed i could sell them how hard can it be (laughs) there's like eight people who live around me out in the sticks here but you know i'm (laughs) and and when you asked your parents it's like well you'll have to leave the house for that yes we bless you on this (laughs) 
So I went out and I I sold um, these awful greeting cards that you could you could get personalized for like an extra fee, and I earned as one of the prizes uh, blip. I was oh, very, this is how you got blip. This is how I got blip. You told me about blip <laughs> <laughs> because by God, I was gonna have a fucking video game, and it turns out blip's not really a video game. <laughs> Um, well, well, he, I got this for nostalgia purposes for you. Blip is the digital game that you can take with you anywhere. Turns out you can find right. a lot of old commercials on on the internet. Zips across the screen. You try to press the right button to send it back. An automatic readout keeps score. Yes, an automatic readout. I looked it up. Isn't this just sort of a ratchet that moves the number? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two people or only one can play. Oh, it was just me. Yeah, just one. <laughs> and they told you to go outside and play with it, didn't they? When you play with Blip, you get carried away. Yeah, I did. I got so carried away, I broke it within five minutes. <laughs> 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 it took two batteries to light up the LED because that's all it did was light up the LED. The rest of it was fucking hand cranked and 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 like just steampunk or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I looked at it. It was an engineering piece of mechanical beauty. <laughs> if it was made by the Swiss, it would cost several million dollars. But I sold it, eleven boxes of cards to get that piece of shit. <laughs> but but blip. So does blip. But they sound so happy. You didn't have that same reaction? I did, right when I took it out of the box. And, and yeah, it lasted five minutes. <laughs> and then I overcranked it and it was dead. <laughs> it's a, I, I can look on eBay. I bet I can obtain one of these for you for... No, easy. it breaks if you sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fucking blip. <laughs> it's okay. Let go of your pain. <laughs> to release your anger. How do you not have that as a sound clip? <laughs> uh, give me time. I... I got all week after next off. I could stay up all night getting out kinds of movie clips. So, yeah, I, I got that, and I, I sold enough boxes to get a digital clock, uh, which I used to practice my math uh, multiplication tables to fall asleep because I was that geek. What, what the fuck are you talking about? You, you, so it says, like, 823. Does 8 go into 23? Nope. Okay. Oh, 824. Yeah, it goes in three times. Okay. <laughs> you weren't a math geek. You were suffering post-traumatic stress because... <laughs> Because you thought you might wake up in like a basket on the fucking river, <laughs> send you away like Moses. <laughs> um, you know, if it meant I got cool powers like parting water, I suppose. <laughs> but, um, Moses is a superhero. Okay. I don't know. Um. So yeah, I, I I did not have a lot of specific toys that that allowed me to live out my geek fantasies. I read a lot of books. And had my imagination and my deep-seated anger. <laughs> and that's why we have three big screen TVs now. <laughs> oh, and you have two Ataris. I've gotten you two yeah. Atari emulators. <laughs> Do we need to get a bottle of scotch later and just play Atari? Maybe. We can handle Maybe. that. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's well, it's, I, I was thinking about it. Superhero stuff I never got for Christmas. Uh, that always seemed to be a birthday thing for both me and my brother. Um, yeah, I because uh, my brother, I know he got the uh, the Batman utility belt. Oh, sorry, that was my computer. What can I tell you? These <laughs> things just make terrible sounds. But uh, yeah, my brother got the Batman utility belt for one of his birthdays. Um, I got some Mego fig figures now and again. Um, the big one I got was remember Energized Spider Man. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it energized Spider-Man, battery not included. I, I spent a lot of time on the internet the last night. The motorized web climber starts him climbing, keeps him climbing. Energized Spider-Man. Did you ever actually see an energized Spider-Man? I'm sure I must have. It's <laughs> it was the worst fucking toy that was ever built. It, he was cast in solid plastic. Points of articulation zero. <laughs> it was Spider-Man standing with his arm his left arm stiffly at his side like he's had a stroke and his right arm sticking straight up in the air and there was a motor in his chest and a fishing line with a little hook sticking out of his right fist and you'd press a line that would release the ratchet and you could pull the line out and hook it to something and then flip a switch on his belt and he would he would just slowly rise into the sky (laughs) and yeah, it was the spider web trap for lifting and pulling. That's right. It also it came with a plastic web that you could attach to the hook and wrap it around things like big things like a thimble of thread or perhaps uh, a, a small tchotchke of some sort. And you could stand them and flip the switch and he would drag it. Now, if this thing had mass beyond two or three grams to it, you had to hold Spider-Man by the legs. Otherwise, he would literally tip over trying to drag the thing in his web. It was friggin' terrible. <laughs> the Spider-Light. You can watch him climb in the dark and pretend... Yeah, but the problem is the Spider-Light was sold separately. So I couldn't do anything with that. He's searching for the enemy. The power pack turns on the Spider-Copter. Sold... Spider-Copter? Yeah, oh wait, what's the magic word? Separately. Sold separately. Spider- yeah, Spider-Man flies by night because he's well known for his fucking helicopter. <laughs> it was the worst goddamn toy ever. But you got it. I did. I got it. Actually, I didn't get that one. I got $10 birthday money. I had to buy that piece of shit for myself. <laughs> I I did get around junior high. Uh, my parents, I think it was my parents, bought us a Dark Tower game. Um which was kind of cool because my sister and I were into Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, there were no children out where we lived. So it was basically, all right, I'm the dungeon master. You're dead. That was that was the extent of our games. Here's a game for many players. Perhaps you'd like to hit the road and find some other kids to play with. Yeah, I am beginning to see a larger theme here. I'm, she I'm wonders be- why I never come home to visit. I'm beginning to see <laughs> your relentless taste for booze just to kill the pain of your first 18 years. I remember the first time my dad gave me cream sherry. I was seven. It was glorious. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the first time I said, you know, they're going out soon, and I know where that is. <laughs> and how you survived, I have no idea. I can't drink it now. It's fucking treacly now. But <laughs> well, yeah, you grow up and your taste change, then you need higher proof to just knock those memories out. You switch to fucking Amontillado. For the love of, I'm not even gonna. Do that. <laughs> um, so we we would play with the Dark Tower game. That was that was pretty cool. Um, and then I get to no, a point. I don't I don't remember that game. So that what? was it was a, a plastic tower with flashing lights and leds and buttons and the idea was you had kingdoms and you had to protect your kingdom from um some big bad that was in the dark tower okay and you could advance your your characters um a certain amount based on what the led would tell you every turn and it would spin around and it would you know make noises and you the the idea was to try to defeat all of the bad guys and and win the tower as I recall. Okay. So at least it lit up. Yeah, it was it was a really good uh Christmas. I got the I got the dark tower, black tower, whatever the hell it was, and um a, a pair of Levi's and a rugby shirt. <laughs> that was that was a good Christmas. Um 
And then I realized that my Levi's were corduroys and nobody else wore corduroys. But, you know, that's a separate issue. They tried. They got the Levi's. Why don't I have the sound effect from the <laughs> breakfast club? A carton of cigarettes. <laughs> Banner year. Banner year at the Amanda household. I got... I got pants and a sturdy shirt, so when I hit the road, it would cover my nakedness. Oh, pants, eh? Yeah. Pull your damn pants up. <laughs> Won't you kid these days? So what are you saying? Uh, yeah, the, the the big one I got, yeah, the superhero stuff was always birthdays. Um, well, keep in mind also, my birthday is a week before Christmas. Oh, so you just got fucked everything that you possibly could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas my sister's is like two months after Christmas. So that that's an opportunity for making shit up. You didn't get what you wanted in Christmas. You know, then you can kind of pout and moan and whine about it. And two months later, somebody might rectify a mistake. <laughs> okay. See, mine is halfway through the year. So I, I just always had a every six month fix of things i got so she got just all the cool fucking shit at least as far as i perceived and she got the fucking easy bake oven and she got um the 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 slush puppy snow cone make maker and so she got devices to allow her to create consumable goods so she could make a living out on the road <laughs> yes whereas i had uh my imagination and my anger my deep <laughs> I might need to have a talk with your mom next time I see her. Because the, the biggest tragedy of my childhood is I didn't get Magnetic Batman and Robin. Do you remember Magnetic Batman and Robin? Mm, vaguely. Oh, let me let me uh, refresh your memory. It's Batman and Robin with magnetic hands and magnetic feet. Yeah, because... And pudding? Why would you give those to Spider-Man? No, <laughs> Spider-Man, he's, he's frozen in a block of fucking... <laughs> Plastic and can't move, but Batman and Robin can stick to walls. I love how they, have, for that commercial, just twisted the Batman 1966 yeah. theme song. Well, because, yeah. Go ahead. All, all I can think about with that is, you know, those scenes where, yeah, Batman and Robin were climbing the side of a building, but really they were crawling on the floor somewhere. And and then yeah. they like changed the perspective of the camera to make it look like they were going up a wall. <laughs> yeah, but you no. Know, in this, you could uh, make Batman conquer your refrigerator. Ooh. <laughs> and now Batman and Robin have flyaway, flyaway. <laughs> now what flyaway was is a string that you put in their back and just fling them along the <laughs> fucking string. Flyaway fly action. Batman. <laughs> I can't. I can't get enough of this song. With flyaway action, each sold separately. Yeah, everything's fucking sold separately. Everything is sold separately. But yeah, I never got those. And I I asked for them and asked for them. And my parents were like, no, you've already got Amigo Batman figure and Amigo Robin figure. And why, for the love of God, my dad didn't just suck it up and go to the hardware store and buy like four magnets and crazy glue for $3 to make my fucking (laughs) dream come true. Probably because he would have accidentally gotten like the the heavy duty rare earth magnets, and Batman would still be on that fucking refrigerator in Eastern Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. I I was thinking like the one of the first like really geeky kind of actual toys I got was shortly after college. A boyfriend knew of my my love for the Tick and bought me a, a Tick with bounding action. See, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's too little, too late. I got it when I was twenty two. 
But yeah, the big one that I got for for Christmas was the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, the Millennium. There was no Millennium Falcon in like the first run of Star Wars toys. There was a uh, the Land Speeder, which me and my brother had. Uh, the X Wing, which my brother got, and the Tie Fighter, which I got. And the Tie Fighter, all the ads for it said it had flyaway wing action. Now, what that really was was there was a button on the joint between the wing and the pilot's area where if you pushed it, the wing would fly off like it had been shot. Mm. I was six. (laughs) I believed it meant it could fly. So I finally got the goddamn TIE fighter. Yeah, that one I got for my birthday, and I threw it off the back fucking deck, and I thought I broke it. (laughs) I was heartbroken. My dad was able to get it back together. He's like, it doesn't mean it can fly, Rob. Wow. (laughs) And it occurs to me now, and I I don't know why it's just occurring to me now, uh, if listeners would like to hear other evidence of why none of this about my childhood should be a surprise, look up our episode, Pool Floaties. Yeah. Oh, God. Wherein uh, we talk about how my beach toys were made out of discarded um, wine uh, box balloons. Yeah, that's that was heartbreaking. None of this should be a surprise <laughs> to me. But so yeah, but Millennium Falcon wasn't part of that original set. So I think it came out. It did. Uh, it came out as part of uh, Empire Strikes Back, and it was comparatively huge. I mean, it was. <laughs> From Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection, Millennium Falcon. That yeah, could... so it was Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I, I remember, I grabbed this drunk last night. I wasn't sure if I remembered right. <laughs> Together, batteries not included. Nice landing, Han Solo. Uh-oh, come on, Chewbacca. Stormtroopers are coming. So I forget if that first kid is supposed to be Chewbacca, just saying, nice landing, Han Solo. <laughs> Figures each sold separately. Everything sold separately. I'll fire the laser cannon. There's even a hidden storage hatch Raise for your weed. <laughs> Jump to light speed. We're gone. On to the Death Star. Millennium. Be like it's a resort destination. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. But yeah, the thing was giant, and I never had any place to put it. It was always right in the middle of my floor. But God, I. And it had to be $50 in 1980 money. So yeah. it was a huge deal. Well, it's just it. Like, I, I know that, like, my parents were not of means and they were trying to do the best they could by by me and my sister. So, you know, I, I bitch about this stuff. I suppose it's half in jest. But, the, you know, it, it does touch on what seems very real to you at the time in terms of I don't understand why these other kids have this stuff and I can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everybody has that. You know, I certainly had a ton of shit when I was growing up, but I had friends with ColecoVision. And it's like, why can't I have that? And other kids who would always get the brand new Atari cartridges immediately. And yeah. a lot of times we had to wait five or six months for the price to drop. Oh, the first time I ever encountered my cousins playing Duck Hunt on like a Nintendo Cube, I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never had Nintendo. Yeah, but by the time Nintendo came out, I was 16 or 17 anyway. So I was probably old enough that it didn't, it wasn't that big a deal to me. See, it was still to me because we, you know, we never picked up cable. We never, you know, we did rent the occasional movie after we got the VCR. Um, but video games were not something that were in the house. And I, my friends didn't necessarily have um, the video game stuff. They would have other things in the house. I had a friend who had like one of the TSR 80s. Um, oh, yeah. It's, we had the video games. The computer took a while. Yeah. Because I never wanted a computer until I saw fucking war games. Right. And once I'd seen war games and I wanted a computer, my parents had seen war games and they knew what I really wanted to do with it. (laughs) 
So it was a long time arguing with them before I finally got a computer. My first computer was a TI-99 4A with a blistering 16K of memory. Yeah. But they wouldn't get me a disk drive or a tape drive because they were afraid I was going to play games with it. They wanted me to show that I was learning how to program. Yeah. So, yeah, I would sit down there for hours and learn basic and it would have to drag them downstairs. Look at this thing I built, this little game. And say, so, oh, that's great. And then at the end of the day, I have to Delete shut the it. machine <laughs> off. So, and it was like four months of that before finally it was, we'll get you a tape drive. Well, a tape drive was nothing but an adapter cable for 30 bucks and an old fucking tape recorder. <laughs> that's right. And it was, yeah, you would have to put in the save command and it would tell you to press record. And it would it was like a modem. It would dump audio signals onto this cassette tape. And I would, because of that, I could start writing bigger and bigger programs. So, yeah, I was writing this big, long game that was a knockoff of war games, Global Thermonuclear War, <laughs> with graphics and special effects. And by the time I was actually almost done with it, yeah, I'd have to, okay, load it, press play, and go get a sandwich and watch some TV before it would load. See, in high school, I took basic, I think my sophomore year. And, and you had already moved on to other computer languages at that point because you had early exposure. Yeah. So that's where I was behind on some of that. I think the first thing I built was some kind of choose-your-own-adventure game. Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody does, text-based yeah. stuff. And yeah, the graphics on the TI were kind of shit because what you had to do to get any kind of graphics was it had you, you had access to the maps that showed characters, like you type. So you'd use this command, call car c-h-a-r yeah and you would basically grab a character out of the ascii map and you would tell it to look a different way you, you'd give it a different graphic look mm. so it was tough for text and graphic based games because you'd have to pull okay i don't think i'm going to use the close parentheses so i'm going to tell <laughs> the computer it really looks like the nose cone of a missile so i can use it over here but the next computer I got was a Commodore 64, and ironically, by then, I knew how to code pretty well. And yeah, in high school, I moved quickly up into Pascal and C. So because of that, I'm like, I'm not using this to program. It's just basic. At that point, it was just all fucking video games. <laughs> and that would have been one I could have done really cool shit on. But by then, I was like, no, you know what? I'm using this now for the war game stuff. I bought a, <laughs> I bought a modem. I was on BBSs. I was pirating <laughs> video games. I was cracking copy protection. Ah, uh, you started early. Indeed. So... so. Uh, don't worry. It's it's been a long time, and I'm pretty sure you'll find something geek related under your tree when I come home from Florida. Ah, you're the best. I try really hard. <laughs> because, you succeed. Because Jesus, that childhood of yours. <laughs> I read a lot of books. <laughs> and so did I, but my parents were more than happy to buy me books. Read and a lot of books. Uh, I had pants. I had pants. <laughs> books and pants. <laughs> That's that's just great. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'd be saying that every day if I woke up in your house. I had that miniseries in comic book form. Oh, so did I. Um, I got that for Easter. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, they, they got me some things. I, they, I think they tried to get me what they could within their means. It just wasn't toys. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's look, certainly they tried, but childhood is it's only one time, man. You can only do it once. Yep. So, when it comes to your parents... Show temples. Show temples. <laughs> All <right>. No. <laughs> All right, you want to talk a couple comics? How are we Let's doing do on that. time? Uh, it is 127. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll do this relatively quick, I guess, then. Okay. Uh, which one do you want to do first? 
Which it almost it almost doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll get to that. You know what? Let's start with Justice League. Okay, so Justice League thirty seven, yep. uh, written by Jeff Johns, art by Jason Fabok. Yep, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> what kind of parents would name their kid that? Just, <laughs> um, yeah. So the Amazo virus uh, loose in Washington D.C. Superman and Batman uh, in a suit that he calls the Hasbat. <laughs> and it was like a weird moment because as I'm as I'm reading this, I'm having this moment of like, really, you're calling it that? And then Superman, of all people, calls him out on that, and then he blames it on Robin. Yeah, well, I'm not sure which Robin. If it's Damien, that's kind of heartbreaking in a way. It's like my dead son called it this. Shut up, douche. Like, <laughs> I wonder if Batman just did every fuck up he sort of blames on Robin. Let, <laughs> let, let's a fart slip yeah, quietly. Farted? It's like, damn it, Robin. <laughs> But yes, uh, they are hunting down Patient Zero for the Amazo virus while the city's in a panic. Uh, Patient Zero is a dude named Armin Icarus. (laughs) But uh, he has developed the ability to change his body physically based on the superpowers that he sees along the lines of the original Amazo android. Yep. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Lena and Lex Luthor are arguing as to why Lex would ever create such a thing as this virus. Um Here's a hint. Lex Luthor's a supervillain with a narcissism problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, then Wonder Woman shows up, and there's a brand new assassin named Bullet who shows up to kill Luthor, apparently because Deadshot and Deathstroke are busy. <laughs> and then bad shit happens to Batman. Um, yeah. Um, so it it's an interesting concept. Well, first of all, this is yet another fucking storyline in Justice League where most of the Justice League is out of the fucking picture. Right. Yeah, I, well, yeah, because the Amazo virus causes humans to develop metahuman powers based on what they see until such a time as their cell structure burns out. On the other hand, it inhibits the powers of those super superheroes that have um, powers because of meta. Yes. So it's not affecting Wonder Woman. It's not affecting Superman. Right. Um, but other characters are are out of commission. Batman is only doing as well as he is through most of this book because he's got the hazbat suit. I can't even say that with a straight face. Yeah, don't even bother. <laughs> and by the end of the book, spoilers, he's infected. Yeah, but there's a lot in this that just doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I want to come back to touch on this. this is a book called Justice League. Where's the Justice it, League? The Justice League has been gone forever. I did the math. There's been like eight or nine out of the last 13 or 14 issues between this and Forever Evil. There's no fucking Justice League in it. Yeah. So. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, if you can't handle writing for an ensemble, don't write about an ensemble. And we know he can. We've seen him do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he did great on Justice Society. That yeah. was a must read for me every month. And it's just, it's not firing with me on, on Justice League because he's not writing the goddamn Justice League. No. Yeah, he did for the first few issues, and now it's just, oh, no, this is out of... And I I get if you have the team of the world's greatest superheroes, it can be difficult to have people who have every power under the rainbow. It would seem like every problem would be easy to solve, but knocking people out of commission is not the way to do it. Right. This is This is the business you have chosen, Jeff Johns. Right. You have to write the Justice League. I feel like if Animal Man was there, he would be able to relate to this virus on whatever structure it's at and then either draw from it to shut it down or or something. Yeah, and I want to say he's done something similar at least uh, pre-New 52. I'm drawing a blank on where I might have seen it. Yeah. Oh, no, in the original uh, Grant Morrison. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, he went into uh, Buana Beast's immune system and combined two or three types of white blood cells to to whack out the uh, uh, whatever the Hanta yeah. or the anthrax or whatever the hell. He so had. I don't know if Animal Man is one of the characters who's out of commission because of this. He's no, he's with uh, Justice League United. Oh, so he's just elsewhere. He's uh, yeah. Right now they're off planet. Oh, oh, off planet. Uh, How convenient. Yeah. Well. Despite DC's continuity problems, which we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else is off planet? Uh, Jeebus? <laughs> Batman in another book. <laughs> well, yeah, it's in Batman and Robin. He's off fighting Apocalypse. <laughs> so this is one of those things where it's just like, I, I recognize that different storylines can happen, but it seems like if you're going to make a big point of trying to have some kind of continuity to the point that you're micromanaging a whole bunch of shit, um, your, your characters should all be on Earth at the same time in your books. Well, and, and that's one thing that might point to uh, maybe they're going to do something real and concrete after Convergence. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, at that point, yeah, editorial can start saying, fuck it, do whatever the hell you want because we're going to redo it all, you know, come June. Right. So I, I, I guess it might be an indicator of that, but it, yeah, it becomes a problem where you've got characters in different places doing different things with different motivations. But again, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, with God as my witness, I don't know why looking at Batman would cause Icarus to grow bat wings. I, he, and also he wasn't, he was looking at the physical form of Batman who was not doing anything other than just standing there. Superman was the one that was hovering. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it actually cause him to grow a mood disorder and like a Perkadan addiction or something? <laughs> Or like a Boy Scout streak if he's looking at Superman. Yeah. Or... I have the power of night terrors. No, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and Icarus, gee, I know this is DC Comics and DC trends more toward the goofy, but it's not DC in 1962. Icarus really... Means he's going to fly too close to the sun and burn out. Yeah, what, what, did they already have somebody named Knockoff or Imitation? I don't know. It's... <laughs> <laughs> and... I'm really having problems with the the Luther storyline in this, yeah, and the way it's written. There may be a surprise in yeah. the future, but I, I know there's supposed to be some mystery and ambiguity behind Luther's motivations. And is are we really supposed to ask why Lex Luther would create a fucking virus? That would depower fucking superhumans. Well, I mean, it's his sister asking the question, and so we're supposed to take it in the spirit of she loves her brother and doesn't want to think bad things of him, but knows that he he does have a um, streak in which he is prone to lying and being manipulative. But he also had the confrontation with Captain Cold saying, you know, oh, this is going to be bigger than you think. And it's, come on, <laughs> there's, there's no question of the motivation. Yeah. It's like asking... Geez, Lex, why do you have a big yellow S on all your toilet paper? Yeah, well, it's it's super viruses are sort of the the hot trend now. We've got you know Ebola had been in the news recently, so yeah, awesome timing. Yeah, um, so yeah, even if, even if it was parallel thought, <laughs> this is sort of the big thing on people's minds. It just feels like between this and then when we talk about Batman, there's a similar storyline going on. So it's like. Did nobody think to sit the writers down and say, you can't write that story, it's too similar to this guy's story, and also, you've got characters here that can't be doing these things at the same time because you've got conflicts in your continuity. Yeah, I mean, it's 
almost like things have gone in completely the opposite direction from a year, year and a half ago, where everybody, half the creators at DC were complaining that editorial had an iron fist on everything and storylines were being approved and then thrown out and approved and then thrown out and approved and then thrown out. And it's, it's like they went way in the opposite direction and said, okay, anything goes as long as it's not completely going against whatever our next event is. Yeah. We don't really give a fuck what you do. But I mean, Batman is there. What in Washington DC or Metropolis or something? Washington. In his book, he's in Gotham fighting a viral menace. Yeah. And in Batman and Robin, he's up on Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, it's there's definitely continuity, continuity issues going on. And, and they don't even have the benefit in these books of, you know, text box, this story takes place before or after, or wondering how he got here, check out, blah, blah, blah. At least they were doing that as of like a month or two ago with Batman Eternal. <laughs> yeah, it's... <sighs> And, and I don't want to become a continuity Nazi because that way lies madness and you start to hate every book because it doesn't tie in completely with every other book. And on certain levels, I'm okay with that. You know, I kind of like the idea that Batman and Robin is doing its own story and it's sort of completely disconnected from everything and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. You know, that's in a lot of ways how comics were when I was growing up. It's, yeah, Spider-Man's over here and yeah, there'd be a handy editorial thing of oh this is before or after but that's just it like at least throw that in there yeah but with this particular thing where batman is doing the same thing in two different books in two different places that feels like a real editorial disconnect now scott snyder can do no wrong at dc right now right i'm sure if if he came in and said i would like to set my office on fire they'd be like <laughs> great do you want it to burn red or blue because we got kerosene and alcohol <laughs> Yeah, and same thing with Jeff Johns. He's the chief creative officer. Right. Nobody's going to tell him he can't do what he wants. Right. But somebody's got to be able to say, all right, look, man, we've got to stagger these things. Can you put a couple fill-in issues so they're not happening the same, not even the same month, the same fucking week? Right. Right. But So let's let's talk about Batman 37 then. Okay. So, yeah, Batman 37. Um and we're just going to talk about the main story because we are uh, starting to run short on time. There's yeah. a, a backup story written by James Tinian, but uh, which is not bad. But we'll talk about the main core story. Yep. Um. So core story written by Scott Snyder, uh, art by Greg Capullo. Yeah, it's the Joker virus is loose in Gotham, and Batman in a hazmat suit, which he does not call the hazbat. Nope. But <laughs> it's the shittiest suit I've seen because there's a panel where he's screaming. And clearly his mouth has gone outside of the yeah, face mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you should contact the manufacturer and get your money back because you are now sick. Yeah. But um so yeah, he's hunting down again, looking for patient zero while the city's in a panic. In this case, you know, and hell, we spoiled half of uh Justice League thirty seven. We'll spoil the hell out of this. So yeah. if you don't want to be spoiled, uh press the stop. But Patient Zero's Joe Chill. And I'm, ju I'm just going to stop there because <laughs> I know you've got opinions. This book. This book. <laughs> just the, the goddamn sadness. All right. I like Scott Snyder. I dig the hell out of American Vampire. I There are some, some things he's doing with this book I have concerns about. <laughs> I I have to question 
this focus that seems to be trying to give us what could be a Joker origin story. I'm not sure we'll get there, but go ahead. It feels like, and and I'm hoping it turns out to be the most elaborate fucking prank of all time, which would be fine. I'd be fine with it then. Yep. It feels like they're trying to set Joker up to be some sort of um, ancient and eternal big bad who has always been present in Gotham and has been tapped into from time to time uh, and and has wreaked havoc upon the city and then disappeared again and then come back. Um, again, hoping that this is part of a larger elaborate prank. And I think it has to be because if it isn't, I'm with you. It's a huge storytelling misstep. Yeah. Because the whole point of the Joker is that he's Batman's opposite. Yes. The Joker is not about Gotham. The Joker is about Batman. Right. Having the Joker's origin be tied up with Batman is important. If Batman moved to fucking Maui, the Joker would show up there a week later in a Hawaiian shirt on a plane full of dead people. I would read that. That, So would I. But the the Joker is not connected with Gotham. Nothing about Gotham. So, yeah, to have him... And I, I do believe that it, it's a gag. He's planting evidence to make it look this way, yeah. to be some kind of haunting ghost of Gotham. It's also misaligning with him as a character because he doesn't give a shit about Gotham. It's right. about Batman. Now, it can be redeemed if, like you said, if Snyder makes it clear that the Joker's motive is to make Batman believe that not only can Batman not defeat the Joker, but that the Joker literally cannot be defeated. Yeah. In that he has been and always will be. I can get behind that, but that really needs to be made clear. And and with that, there were some moments with the way that this was written and and um Capullo's panel layout and, and his drawing that were that were spooky and creepy and the scariest that the Joker has ever been. And then fucked up by the story beat of Joe Chill, supposedly as Patient Zero, which yanked me right out of that atmosphere they were working so hard to create and made me go, really, Joe fucking Chill? Um, Because, again, and you and I agree on this, we never, there was no reason to ever have to identify Batman's parents' killers. Well, yeah, that whole sequence confused me. Because, number one, is it happening because Batman is under the effects of the drug Joker hit him in the last issue? Yeah. Or did Joker really build a simacrylum of Crime Alley in Gotham Presbyterian Hospital? <laughs> you know. Yeah, and also if Joe Chill, um, if this is the Joe Kill that Joe Chill that killed his parents, he's looking awful young and spry. Well, yeah, and how did Joker know that he was wearing that stupid cabbie hat when he pulled the trigger? Has the yeah. Joker read The Dark Knight Returns? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> if if we are to believe he's been everywhere and all things at all time. Yeah, it, I, he's what's wrong with Frank Miller right now. He broke Frank Miller. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> but, He's why Frank Miller drinks. <laughs> but leave it that alone. Um, <laughs> he, he probably drinks because he grew up with your parents. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's like you said. If Batman not only knows who killed his parents, but can be face to face with him and bring him to some form of justice, Batman's done. His mission's over. Yeah. You know, Batman needs to be fighting crime. Right. Not Joe Chill. Right. The only interesting thing in that sequence 
and it's really going to depend on what Snyder does with it, is when the reenactment of the Wayne murder mm-hmm. with that other family and that yeah, simulated crime alley was happening. Yeah. And Chill says, please, not again. Yeah, that was but odd. That could It's interesting, but that could go really wrong. Right. Because the implication is he didn't want to do the original murder. And yeah, if you get too far into the motivations of Joe Chill, now you make it, he's even further away from just being crime. Right. He has a, you know, oh, gee, I didn't want to kill that. Fa- I needed it to feed my face. If you make Joe Chill even remotely relatable, yeah. well, now Batman's mission is really based on psychosis and an <laughs> inability to let go of a situation. Yeah. And it's really problematic for Batman as a character. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't like that i want to see where it's going yeah but but you know god help me if it turns out that he is some sort of mystical other and this isn't a prank i'm done with this until they retcon joker yeah well yeah and it's also having joker know who batman is and using that information explicitly i think is a real misstep yeah because one of the most effective parts of death of the family was the whole question of does he know, doesn't he, and leaving that up in the air. It seems to answer this. Yeah, but so to make it explicit that, oh no, he knew all along, you're robbing that story of some of its power, and you're robbing the Joker overall, because the Joker has never given a shit who Batman is. Right. It's just about Batman. Now... I can get behind the idea Snyder's gone on record saying that, okay, with Death of the Family, Batman refused to be made better by what I was doing, so now I'm going to destroy him and being willing now to use that information to destroy Batman. But getting into another situation where, yet again, somebody wants to put walls up around Gotham and no man's land it. We saw it three months ago in Zero Year. Yep. We saw it two years ago in Dark Knight Rises. We saw it 15 years ago in fucking no man's land. (laughs) Yeah. Now, and at the same time, we know that Bruce Wayne has lost everything because of what happened in Batman Eternal. So why is the Joker going to these lengths if he's decided I have to destroy Batman utterly and I know who he is? You know, if Batman's lost everything, just go on a crime spree that Batman can't keep up with. I, I yeah. doubt I doubt the Batmobile runs on regular unleaded. <laughs> if he can't afford the jet fuel, you know, he can't get there. You know, he can't afford batarangs. Right. You know, you want to break Batman, shoot Alfred while he's rifling through coupons to save five bucks at the supermarket. <laughs> you know, or Bruce Wayne now doesn't have health insurance. Just sneak into his bedroom and shoot him in his knees. <laughs> at stately Wayne condo. Yes, did you write down down as a possible title? (laughs) But uh, so yeah, to go to these lengths to destroy Batman, who's already been brought low again by other stories, um, and and yeah, just the Joker going after Bruce Wayne. It's the same way Batman should be against crime. The Joker should be against the Batman, and who Batman is shouldn't make a difference. Right. Right. So. I'm hoping that it, this is all just the result of some sort of heavy hallucinogenic that has been released into Gotham that they're trying to fight. <laughs> yeah, and and it's weird because I really want to like this issue because I do think Snyder writes one hell of a Joker. He does. It, it was there were some genuinely creepy moments, particularly uh, when spoilers the Joker shows up at uh, Commissioner 
Commissioner, uh, I guess he's Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, in this, what is he at this point? Because he's not Commissioner in Batman Eternal, no, so I'm not sure if he is back over. Shows up at Gordon's house. Yes, <laughs> and and Gordon is is already terrified because he's trapped in there by himself, seemingly. Yeah, um, and then there's some moments where, yeah, the the Joker messes with him in a very cat and mouse kind of way, and seems to be everywhere and unkillable. That is creepy but also balanced with like silly things like using like the boxing glove on on a spring (laughs) and and so it's it's very effective right up until when it's not with joe chill yeah well that was a great sequence and i want to give some nods to greg capullo's art right because yeah that those two sequences happen in parallel yeah um where joe chill is about to shoot the the Wayne family stand-ins yeah. and Commissioner Gordon's about to shoot the Joker, culminating in two panels left and right where it's focused on the gun and on the left it's Joe Chill and on the right it's Jim Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Um so it was that was really great art and really well sequenced. And because of that art, I'm willing to take on faith that since Batman took the bullet for the not Waynes and was able to survive because of body armor. Joker was able to survive for the same reason. Yeah. Even though it looked like he was dead, Nick gave Capullo a chance to show a great one panel to two panel transition of, oh, he's dead, I killed him. And in the next panel, Joker's just standing up. Um, you know, real horror movie shit, but Jesus Christ, real horror movie shit. You were standing there over the Joker's body with your gun aimed at him. Have you learned nothing from Zombieland, Jim? <laughs> Always double tap. Yeah. Just put one in his face. You're... Your house is on fire as it is. Most of the evidence will be destroyed. Yeah. Empty the clip. Saw his head off. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I really, there was a certain amount to like in this. There was a lot to really be concerned about. Overall, I think one of the problems I'm having with this is between this and Zero Year, we've spent a lot of time over the last year with a Batman who is not really fucking good at what he does. And that's concerning. He lost Gotham City to the Riddler. Now he's losing Gotham City to the Joker. And really, losing losing Gotham City to the Riddler is, is like saying, I gave up. Yeah. That's, it's like saying, I lost it to the Penguin. And granted, he was barely Batman at that point. I'm willing to accept that. Um, yeah, I've gone on record saying Zero Year didn't do a hell of a lot for me. Yeah. I don't think it was terribly executed, but it's no year one. But, yeah, it's a lot of time of, yeah, Batman's just on his heels. And certainly you want to throw major conflicts and obstacles in your hero's way in any story, let alone a comic book story. So they come back a better hero. Yeah, but after a while, it's becoming a goddamn bummer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you want to see them have some victories and not like victories snatched from like the the jaws of defeat <laughs> like yeah or or victories that are like just barely so and you know they have half a second to breathe and now here's the next crisis <laughs> yeah that's another one where hundreds die and the federal government's willing to write the city off the map yeah 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 i, I want to call a moratorium on any story that makes the federal government want to wall gotham off <laughs> <laughs> there just been too goddamn many of them since 2000. Yeah. It happens over and over and over again. And at this point, Joe Blow has seen it in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. 
It's uh, just call it done. The city's in danger and needs to be saved, but not the city's in so much danger that Washington's ready to say, okay, we'll just carve that off and give it to Russia. If if Gotham is always in such a state where it's about to have something bad happen to it, where it needs to be walled off, just put it under the dome permanently. Just Yeah. <laughs> yep, just throw that Stephen King dome off it and yeah, escape from New York it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let Batman move to a city with some hope, like Maui. <laughs> Maui, yes. <laughs> the Dark Knight in Maui. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, just the editorial problems of... I will be a fruit bat. <laughs> <laughs> right now, fruit bat, that's got possibilities. <laughs> but yeah, just the editorial problems of, at the guts of it, Batman's actions are exactly the same in two different books on the same week. I am for DC releasing their editorial fist that was driving so many creators crazy apparently for a while a year year and a half ago but you got to have enough of a thumb on it i know everybody's getting ready to move and i know all this stuff's going on but still you gotta somebody should email a text is (laughs) (laughs) you don't necessarily need a big editorial retreat you fuckers are gonna be stuck on a plane going to the west coast pretty soon i want these motherfucking editors Yeah, they'll be tired of each other. Yeah. A bunch of a-holes. <laughs> I'll stop now. I have to, because the show's basically over. Unless it is. We, we got something else on these books or anything else? No, oh, I can't, you know what? Bright spot, bright spot on all of these books in this this month, um, the Darwin Cook covers. Oh, yeah, they have been goddamn glorious. glorious. It's uh, I know they're alternate covers, and the, yeah, these are the only variant covers that really my comic store owner has given me on a regular basis. Yeah. Because he knows I like Darwin Cook, but the the weird thing about him is, yeah, they in no way match what's going on in the book. Mm-hmm. So as a selling point, it's really I really like this cover. I'm gonna get it. Um, but yeah, they're just so goddamn pretty to look at. And supposedly, if we could get every single issue and put them all together, it makes a giant collage. mosaic collage cool. kind of thing. So I am certainly not gonna buy every DC comic book this month. But I'm sure somebody will be building this collage on the internet and we can just find the JPEG. I'm sure we could find it. <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can I'm sure it's out there. I'll see if I can find it. Maybe that'll be the art on the show notes cool. this week. Did, All right. uh, just unrelated and might find its way into the show notes. Did you say that you had found a Rob Liefeld uh gap ad? <laughs> I did. Oh god. Would you like me to dial that sure. up? Sure. Parting gift to our listeners. Yeah. So Merry Christmas. Yeah, Rob Liefeld, back in the early 90s, I swear to God, he looks about five years old in this thing, um, Yeah, did an ad for, it, w- it wasn't The Gap, it was Levi's 501 oh. jeans. Oh, I'm sorry, Levi, Levi's. That he did with... Uh, Wait, so Rob Liefeld had Levi's and I didn't have Levi's. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know what, though? I got feet. <laughs> That's true. And my health. <laughs> it, absolutely. But, but yeah, he did it with Spike Lee. Oh, God. So... So, yes, I, I do have some audio. So how long have you been drawing comic books? So I was about seven years old. Okay. And he hasn't gotten better since. <laughs> what would your parents think about it? They hate They hate Oh, yeah. After I, I got a job and they saw that you can make a living out of it, you'll hear no complaints anymore. And you create... So, so, yeah, his childhood was roughly like yours. They wouldn't buy him pens or things. <laughs> they tried. They tried so goddamn hard to save all of us. <laughs> Exports? Mm-hmm. So what is the drawing on? This is the Spike Man. And what's this right here? This is the camera on top of your head that will... So, yeah, basically he drew Spike Lee as a superhero with a camera on his head. 
Oh, God. Because this is the imagination that brought us Deadpool, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Record the wrongdoings of others. So, Rob, have you had any formal art training? No. Really? You don't say? <laughs> Are there pouches all over Spike Man? Um, I really, Please tell me there's pouches all over him. I, I have a personal moratorium on looking for Spike Lee's pouch. <laughs> Just uh, a lot of imagination, I think. Wait, so yes, lots of imagination. Pouch here, pouch <laughs> here. What is a foot like? Drawing a blank. So I say it and then look down, or just open it and say, "Fly button." Yeah. Don't so how long? Whoops. You <laughs> yeah. Don't open your fly rod. Don't open it. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, I'll see if I can uh, dig the link back up for <laughs> for that YouTube and stick it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> How long we at? We got. Oh, be... we're coming up on almost two hours. Okay, so yeah. When it, Merry well... Christmas, everyone. Yes. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, holidays. Whatever excuse to see your family and weep that you prefer. Let's assume that we said that. I hope you enjoy your presents. Yes, and we're trying to uh, put together a special end of the year episode. Uh, we're trying to come up with best ofs and worst of categories of the year. If you so. have categories you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to shoot us an email at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> or, yeah, through our Facebook page, you can send us a message or hit us on Twitter because, yeah, we're still trying to put it together. I'll throw it in the comments on, on our, our homepage. Yeah, which is crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, shoot us a Twitter. Rob, do you know our Twitter? You don't know our Twitter, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. I don't know it. I don't know it. <laughs> At Infinite Midlife. Okay. On Twitter. Yep. Uh, we, like I said, we are active on Facebook. If you go to our uh, home website, you can get a link to that. Um, yeah, we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can also find us on iTunes. If you happen to find the show over there, do us a favor, shoot us a review, uh, give us a rating, let us know what you think about the show. Just Tell us what other sound clips you want Rob to find. He's got a lot of free time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I got at least eight or ten more uh, slots on this uh, virtual cart deck that I can load up with stuff. <laughs> what can I say? I, I used to do actual radio, I so I'm used to having all this machinery at my fingertips. I, you, are, you are a kid in a candy store right now. Yeah, so what can I say? Don't it'll go in cycles. I'll find some new sound clips and I'll be like, ee, wee. And I'll get over it after a couple of weeks and you know, then I'll find some new ones. It's, it's never going to stop. Or we'll get a cease and desist. You know, what, something will happen. Yeah, that'll be fine. <laughs> you think the law can stop me? Jesus. I don't pay attention to what the law says. You didn't pay attention to your parents trying to get you to leave the house. It's true. You think it's I'm going to listen to some strange lawyer? All right, so that'll do it. This has been the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show, episode 47. I'm... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Time for a You drink. need a beer. I need a beer. The first time I've done this show totally sober in about six months. Oh, God. So, yes, Crisis on Infinite Midlife show, episode 47. Me, I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and, uh, and dirt. They got my dick message! <laughs> Go to bed. That wasn't even the one I wanted to play. Son of a bitch. <laughs>